0: extremely picky and only ever wants to eat one thing. And even that one thing, they only want like one specific platonic ideal of that thing. The one at the restaurant where they grew up or the the one their dad makes. And unless you take them to a restaurant where their dad is the chef, you're in trouble. And then the other kind of friend who is even worse, who, and I'm sorry if you do this, but says the dreaded phrase i'm fine with anything which is one not true and two not at all helpful in narrowing down the thousands of places you have to choose from in our own relationship and this is the only relationship advice i stand by a hundred percent Rochelle and I have come up with a way of avoiding both of these pitfalls. I don't remember how it started, but somewhere down the line, we began playing what we call the bowl game. And this is all it is. We each get four pieces of paper on which we have to write down four ideas of what to do with the day. And then we fold them up and throw them in the bowl and draw them out one by one. And supposedly the last one left in the bowl is the one we have to do, but we've never held ourselves to that. By the time we've read them all, the magic has happened. It's no longer impossible to decide. We've, we've avoided being both kinds of friends. Because the game makes you come up with four ideas, so you're not just like stuck on the one thing that you thought you wanted to do. But on the other hand, the fact that you've written anything at all down means it's no longer wide open. We're not saying I'm fine with anything or I'm only fine with this one thing. We're putting something out there and we're trying to stay open. We're saying maybe this and seeing where it takes us. This month at Bethany, our theme is unorthodox, a faith that questions, doubts, includes, and is still surprisingly powerful. And I think people tend to employ the same strategies, those same three strategies with faith. On one hand, there are those who are certain that faith means only this one particular thing that whatever they believe is the one true thing. And sometimes that gets associated with evangelicalism, but it can be any, any religion at all. You can be 100% sold on Catholicism or Quakerism or United Church of Christism. And on the other hand, there are those who can't say or, or won't say at all what they believe. And I say won't because I think it's just like the people who say, I'm fine with anything not that they don't have beliefs, but that they don't want to be the one to put them out on the table. They don't want to risk saying what those beliefs are. And let me say that I've been both of those people. I'm still sometimes both of those people. 100% sure I have the right answer or totally unwilling to give any answer at all. But I think this idea of unorthodox Christianity invites me to be like someone playing the bowl game. To stake a claim, to say what I believe, to write something down and say, maybe this? But also to hold it gently, not to get too certain about it, to leave room to be wrong, or to be surprised to open up someone else's paper and say, oh yes, this is it or to combine two pieces of paper, or to throw out all of the ideas in the bowl because the magic has happened and the same idea just occurred to both of you at the same moment. I think unorthodox faith asks us to live in that ambiguous place between certainty and silence. That's a hard place to be. Sometimes people who are new to progressive church will come talk to me about Uh, after they've been in church for a few weeks, they're finding something valuable in it, but they also have started to feel like the odd one out wherever they go, maybe you've had that experience. Like on one hand, if they're around people who are like vocally religious, they definitely feel outside of that group because those folks are just very certain about things in a way that this person is not. They don't have all the pieces in place they aren't a hundred percent sure so they feel on the outside of the religious group but on the other hand if they're around people who are totally not interested in in religion and faith they feel strange there too because they want to be able to talk uh, and explore the idea that there's something bigger to investigate the concept that there might be something more to our lives than what's on the surface. So they feel caught in the middle. Maybe you feel caught in the middle and it's hard to live in that place, in that doubtful, questioning, hopeful, curious place to stay there and not end up on either extreme. I remember talking to a man who had been coming to the church I was working at for a while, and he came in to confess to me because he thought he needed to confess to me that he wasn't sure if he believed anything or what he believed if he did. And was it okay for him to come to church if he was ba- basically an atheist? And I told him, yeah, of course. There was nothing he needed to believe. This was space for exploration, for sharing Different ideas and experiences, doubts and questions and hunches. No one knew anything for sure. We were just coming together to tell each other, maybe this. Maybe this is what we're here for. Maybe this is who God is. Maybe this is what life is like. And then two short years later, the same man came to tell me that he was moving to a more conservative church. He was joining them. This one was too open and didn't teach clearly enough what we should believe. There was just too much still up in the open for him. It's hard to stay in that space between silence and certainty. And this week, Rhiannon introduced me to the idea that helps explain why or an idea that helps explain why. It's called the 100% rule, maybe you know it. It says that it's easier to do something 100% than it is to do it 98%. I know this from my own attempts to eat less meat. Like when Rochelle and I first decided to cut back on eating meat, it was a question at every meal. Like, was this going to be meatless or not? And we had to debate every like three times a day, our our ethics and our convenience and expense and taste, the whole thing over and over and over again, which is exhausting. But when we made a rule, we don't buy meat for the house, the debate was over. We knew the answer 100%, except sometimes when we have company. But the point stands, (laughs) it takes a lot more work, a lot more energy to be in that In between space, instead of going for all or nothing, proponents of the 100% rule like to quote Michael Jordan, who said, once I made a decision, I never thought about it again. That's what it takes to be a champion. But to be an unorthodox Christian takes something even harder. Living between zero and 100%. Because at least according to Paul, who was a pretty confident guy, 100% is not an option when it comes to Christianity. That's what he tells the Corinthians. Since he started the church there, the people of Corinth have been developing their spiritual gifts, prophecy and scholarship and speaking in tongues. And as they've gotten better, every one of them has become convinced that they're 100% right about who God is, about what they're made for, about what life might be. They're certain. And as with any two people who become certain, they're fighting about it. They can't all be 100% right if they say different things, and they all must be 100% right, which means everyone else is wrong. Paul breaks the bad news. It's not possible prophecy, tongues, knowledge, they all come to an end. We know only in part, we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. 100% is, is coming, but it's not yet. Right now it's like we're looking at things through a mirror and not a modern mirror, an ancient mirror. We're just like staring into some shiny bronze what you know now, he tells them, is the difference between looking at me in that mirror and turning to see me face to face. So much is obscured, distorted, tinted. Even if you're the most knowledgeable scholar, even if you're the most powerful prophet, even if you're the most spiritual mystic, you'd be lucky to get to 50%. Lucky, maybe, to know even 1% of the true God which is a tough place to live, for them, for me. To never be completely certain, to ask myself in any given situation, might I have this wrong? To be ready for God to surprise me, to show me that even the part that I thought I was sure of is different than I knew. I can't go to that zero place because having experienced the truth of a living God, knowing even 0.00001%, I can't, I can't stop exploring. I can't stop wondering. I can't stop looking for more. Paul knows it's a lot to ask of the Corinthians, that 98 is harder than 100 so he gives the Corinthians something else to hold to. He says, yes, all their knowledge and prophecy and tongues will come to an end, but there's one thing that won't. There's one thing that is 100%. That's, That's what Jesus came to show, that the one thing that never ends is love. That's the thing that they can be certain about, the place that they can rest and not wonder if they're wrong. When they're exhausted by the ambiguity, when they're tired of the uncertainty, when they're tempted back into easy silence, they can turn to love because love never ends. It's extremely hot up here for being 55 degrees. (laughs) I don't understand how the sun works. All right. I'm part of the Still Speaking Writers Group that publishes uh, the daily devotional for our denomination. And I started thinking about this sermon because I got an assignment at our last meeting. During the part where we pitch new projects, one of our members suggested that we should get together and write an updated statement of faith for the United Church of Christ. He had done a little research And he told us that the original statement uh, had been updated for inclusive language, but other than that, it hadn't been touched in 60 years. Apparently, at, at our national meeting that happens every couple of years, 30 years ago, a group of people said we should write a new statement of faith for the 21st century. And it's 2021. No one has acted on it yet. And now my friend thought we should take it up. And I was... Not at all interested. Writing a statement of faith sounded like the most boring project we could possibly take on. Those dry, lifeless creeds that are so full of certainty, our human attempts at getting to 100%, at explaining the mystery of God, they always sound absurd to me. Like we could possibly know about the Trinity, if that's a thing. But then someone put me forward as one of the people who should be in this group, so I had to write it. And I was suddenly irritated in the complete opposite direction that I had to say anything at all. Couldn't I just read other people's and say, yeah, I'm fine with anything. I have to put myself out there, put down my beliefs on paper. I'm gonna sound absurd. So I started with the only thing I know for certain. I believe in love. As the name of God, as the story that life is telling, as that for which we may be called to sacrifice everything else, even life itself. It goes on from there, but it's too boring to read to you or maybe too vulnerable. It's just a draft. They all are. We do the best we can from this doubtful, questioning, hopeful, curious place. Just share our tender little scraps of paper with each other. Maybe this. nothing certain, but it doesn't need to be. When we offer them in love, the magic happens. We figure out where we need to go.